Father God, I thank you for this day. I thank you that we can take time to come and be in your presence and worship you. We invite you here and ask that you just fill this place up with your spirit. Touch each person who comes in today, Father, and touch each person who's watching. There's lots of needs and lots of wants and lots of fears. And I just ask that you would just settle your spirit of peace over us, Father, as we take this time to worship you. I ask you to bless the word and bless the music in the name of Jesus. Amen.
God shows up. When God shows up, yes. changes everything. Yes, sir. We're gonna we're gonna be uh, partaking of communion here in a little while. We got a meeting and a meal and all these different things going on. But right now, we're gonna just stay focused in on entering into God's presence because all that other stuff is gonna happen when it happens. Yes. We'll just take it one step at a time. Amen. Amen. Psalms 27: The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked came against me to eat up my flesh, my enemies and foes, they stumbled and fell. Though an army may encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war may rise against me, in this I will be confident. Yes. One thing I have desired of the Lord, that will I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life Hallelujah. to behold the beauty of the Lord yes. and to inquire in his temple. For in the time of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret place of his tabernacle, he shall hide me. He shall set me high upon a rock. Now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me. Therefore, I will offer sacrifices of joy in his tabernacle. I will sing. Yes, yes. I will sing praises yes. to the Lord. Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice. Yes, sir. Have mercy also upon me and answer me. When you said, seek my face, my heart said to you, your face, Lord, I will seek. Amen. Hallelujah. 
Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my help. Do not leave me nor forsake me, oh, O God of my salvation. You, when my mother and my father forsake me, then the Lord will take care of me. Thank you, Jesus. Teach me your way, O Lord. Lead me in a smooth path because of my enemies. Do not deliver me to the will of my adversaries, for false witnesses have risen against me, and such as breathe out violence. I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage. He shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. So, Lord, this morning, we choose to wait on you. And as we worship you, we're going to be waiting on you, Lord. We're going to lift up our voices. We're going to sing. We're going to choose to enter into your presence. We are going to wait on you. We're going to allow you to come in all of your goodness and glory. Bring us into that place, that secret place that we can be hidden in your pavilion, right there in your arms, or that you could shelter us. Bring us under your wings and protect us. Give us that rest. Give us all the things that we need, Lord, in your presence. So we choose to do that this morning, Lord. We choose to wait on you. We will sing to you. Yes, we will sing to you. We desire to be in that secret place with you. You're calling us, Lord, and we're saying yes. We're going to enter in. We choose to come with our whole heart and enter into your presence. Come now and have your way, Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's worship.
Father, make me clean. Wash away these things. What my life to bring. Only glory to your name. Take the Lord's Supper, and uh, Paul says in Corinthians that you ought to examine your heart. And so let each man examine his heart. Let let us all think about maybe some things that we need to address. And we we practice open communion. So if you're a believer, we want you to join with us. Uh, if you've never personally given your life to the Lord, then you might want to think about that because you might be doing something that 
would be working against you because it is meant for those who have made a relationship with the Lord. Because we are acknowledging the death and burial and resurrection of the Lord and we're doing it as a celebration. And so as we sing this song, just come and uh, get the elements and we'll, uh, we'll all take together uh, when you get, get back to your seats. <clears throat>
Thank you that you are perfect in all of your ways. Oh, yes, Jesus. And all of our imperfections, all of our flaws, all of our weaknesses, you are perfect in all yes, of your ways. Jesus. And our, our flaws sometimes is that we can't see who you are. We can't see your perfection. We can't see how great and glorious and good you are to us. We only see what we see with our eyes, and, and there is so much more. So, Lord, this morning, I pray that as we, as we enter in, as we remember your body and your blood and what you did, Lord, that provision on the cross, you made a way for us to come in to this wonderful relationship with you. We can know you. We can know how good you are. We can see you, even when we don't think you're there, Lord. You're always there. And I pray that you give us revelation this morning, Lord, as we partake of these things. We want to remember what you've done. And the, the bottom line is you did this so that we could be in a relationship with you. And you want to give us the ability to see how much you love us, to see your hand at work in our lives, Lord. Even when things are going all to pieces, your hand is still at work. You are perfect in all of your ways, Lord. You don't ever change. You don't ever fail. We may not see the things that, that we want to see, and maybe we pray prayers that don't get answered the way we pray them, but Lord, we know that we can trust you because you are only good, yes. and you only do good yes. for us and in us and through us, and you are perfect in all of your ways. So Lord, this morning, we're going to do what, what you did, Lord Jesus. When you shared it with the disciples, you said, this bread, you blessed it and you broke it and you gave it to them. And you said, take this, eat this. This is my body, which is broken for you. Yes, thank you, Jesus. Your body, Lord, you provided a new and living way right into the very presence of the Father. Hebrews says that that veil was taken away, which was Christ, his flesh. So when you came and gave yourself, Lord, the veil was removed. So I thank you for that, that we can enter into you and know you and experience all that you provided for us. And we receive that now together. We accept and believe that you died for us and you made a provision for every need that we will ever have. Your body sealed the deal when you gave it for us. Let's protect together. In Jesus' name, amen.
In the same manner, he took the cup and he blessed it. And he said, take this and drink it. All of you drink it. This is the blood of the new covenant. You can't enter into the covenant without the blood. This is the blood of the new covenant. It's for the remission of sin, for sins that was shed for you. And Lord, I thank you that there is power in your blood to give us life. The life of the flesh is in the blood. Yes. Your sacrifice was complete, Lord. You gave your flesh, you gave your body, and you gave your blood. You gave it all. And we have the opportunity now to do this in remembrance of you. As Paul claimed, do this. And remember to me, as long, as often as you do it, do it until I come again. We're going to remember your death, your burial, Thank and your you, resurrection, Jesus. Lord, because you came out of that grave alive and you yes. defeated death, hell, and the grave, and you won the victory. Yes. And you caused us to be victorious Thank in you, Lord. Jesus. We overcome. Yes. Hallelujah. By the blood of the Lamb and yes. the word of our testimony, you, and we choose to not Love our lives on the death, Lord. We give everything to you, yes. and we say yes to you. Thank you Lord. So we rely on your blood this morning, Lord, yes. to heal, yes, yes, cleanse, thank change us, Lord, yes. and refresh us in your presence. Thank you, Jesus. And we thank you for it now as we partake together in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. <clears throat> so, Lord, thank you for your presence this morning. Thank you that you have been here with us and you're not going anywhere. Hallelujah. I thank you, Lord, that, that our time in you, it's just going to get better and better as we get into your word and as we, as we stay in your presence, Lord. You're going to reveal things to us. You're going to change us in your presence. And I thank you, Lord, that we sung these songs this morning glorifying your name. We've reminded ourselves that that we were all messed up, but you're making us new, Lord. We reminded ourselves that we were, we were lonely and desperate and didn't know where we were going, but you sought us out, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you me. sought us out, and you are making all things new. Yes. Lord, I thank you that you are a good Father. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. That's who you are, and we rejoice in that, Lord. Yes. Oh, God, we need you, more and more of you. And we're just going to wait. We're going to wait in your presence for a few moments and just allow you, Lord, to continue to refresh us. Let, let each person receive what they need right now as we worship you, Lord, as we just are in your presence. Pour healing out on us, Lord. For those who are sick in their body, for those who, who are discouraged, those who maybe are a little frustrated or anxious or maybe they're fearful about the future, Lord, pour out the rest and peace on us that we need this morning. Let us hear your word, your voice, Lord. The words that we need to hear for every circumstance that we face, Lord. Your perfect love cast out all fear. Your peace keep our hearts and minds, Lord. You're causing your spirit to work in us, renewing us, refreshing us changing us from glory to glory in your presence. As Carol plays, just, just let your spirit be refreshed in the Lord. Think about what he's saying to you. What he wants to do in you. Because God wants to speak to us. Thank you, Jesus. 
Thank you, Lord. I've been talking about this for weeks, maybe months, uh, here and there, but we're in the situation that we're in right now in this nation because we, as the church, have not done the things that we should be doing. Peter was preaching on Pentecost. He said, repent. The times of refreshing can come in the presence of the Lord. We need to repent. We need to come to a place where we acknowledge that we've, we've become lackadaisical and we're, we're too willing to, to compromise. We're too willing to give in, to get along with people because of political correctness. Or I don't want to be offensive, but I sure don't want to offend the Father. We ought to be just as unhappy and disgusted and, and disappointed about sin and unrighteousness as he is. We're his children. We ought to have his heart. So, Lord, I choose to repent, Lord, for my lackadaisical attitude. I confess I've not always been as broken as I should have been over our nation and, and the things that we've done, abortion and and other things that we've, we've put in law. Not only are we allowing it, but we've said it's good. So Lord, forgive us. Forgive us, Lord. Give us the spirit of repentance that we can experience those times of refreshing in your presence, Lord. When we make things right, we are refreshed. Lord, when we give ourselves fully to you and let you shine your light into us and expose all those areas of darkness, every, every bondage, every wicked thing in us, Lord, as we begin to just open that up and say, come and heal me, cleanse me, make me whole. We experience those times of refreshing, Lord. I just invite you, Jesus, shine your light. Shine your light into us. Cause us to see every everything that is not of you every lie or deception that we might have agreed with knowingly or unknowingly everything that that we've done as an act of rebellion lord we confess and repent everything that we've done for for fear of man trying to be men pleasers i repent of that lord i don't i don't want to be afraid of men i want to be afraid of what you think i want to please you Give us a spirit of repentance, Lord, and let your people rise up and be the body of Christ that we're intended to be, that we'd walk in the spirit, walk in the anointing, walk in the authority and power of your kingdom. And everywhere we go, because we're walking in the spirit, signs and wonders would follow us, Lord, that we would be quick to tell people about your goodness, that we'd be quick to share the good news, that we'd be quick to tell all the great things that you've done for us. Forgive us, Lord, because sometimes, oh, Lord, we're like that, that guy that, that was possessed by the legion of devils and he was in the tombs and Jesus delivered him and he wanted to get in the boat and go with him. He said, I want to go with you. And Jesus said, no, you stay here and you go tell all your friends and family the good things that God has done for you. We want to hang out with you, Lord. We want to hang out in your presence and that's great, but we also need to go and tell people the good things that you've done. Help us not to just want to sit and soak it up, but we've got to freely give, just like we've freely received, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I pray that you call us. 
call us, Lord, that each one of us would sense our eternal destiny in you, Lord, that we would know you have a plan and a purpose for us, that we can't just sit and enjoy life and rest and be in your presence and, and worship and enjoy all of your goodness, but we've got a job to do, too. You told us to go in all the world, make disciples, Lord. Let it be in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen and amen. That's good to know that uh, people get healed, people get delivered, and people have things happening. So we're in Colossians, and um, I don't know how far we're going to get today, but uh, we're going to go wherever we can. So Colossians 1, and I'm going to start reading in verse 23. We actually covered that last week, and we're going to go down to verse 27. If indeed you continue in the faith grounded and steadfast and are not moved away from the hope of the gospel which you heard, which was preached to every creature under heaven, of which I, Paul, became a minister. I now rejoice in my sufferings for you and fill up in my flesh what is lacking in the afflictions of Christ for the sake of his body, which is the church, of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God, which was given to me for you to fulfill the word of God. The mystery which has been hidden from the ages and from generations, but now has been revealed to his saints. To them, God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. The last week we talked about uh, not being moved away. And um, I kind of made a big deal about that. And I want to just go back to that. That word or those words not moved away means to not be shaken. <clears throat> Don't be shaken loose. We sing that song, I'm holding on. Well, he's holding on to us too. And Jesus said, no one can snatch you out of my father's hand. But, you know, you can be shaken in your faith. You can be shaken in your commitment. You can be shaken in a lot of ways if you're not careful. You can get moved away from your steadfastness in the Lord. You can have a foundation and you can get shaken by, by events or activities, things in your life. Some friend or, or a family member, co-worker, someone does something horrible to you, hurts you really bad. Maybe something traumatic happens. You know, someone gets sick or dies or has some horrible injury. I mean, things happen. There are a lot of things in life that we have no control over. In those circumstances, they can cause us to be shaken. Sometimes it shakes us loose. You want to be shaken, but not shook loose. Don't be all shook up. Uh-huh. I like yeah. So, you know, it's, it's okay to get shaken some. You just got to hang on, though. Because we all have struggles and trials and things that come along in life that distract us or discourage us. And, uh, you know, I could, I could look out here and most of you, I could actually tell some serious things that have happened in your life that have shaken you. And you know some things about me that shook me. But we chose to continue steadfast in the faith, unmovable, because we got foundations in the Lord. And our hope is in Him. It's not in circumstances. It's not in all the things of this life. Because we're looking for an eternal reward. 
We're looking for eternity, not temporal things. There's a lot of disappointment in this life. There just is. And you don't have to let it just totally mess you up and, and cause you to you know, be bummed out. You know, you can have disappointments and still be victorious. Just think about this. Jesus, when he was meeting with the disciples in that last supper, he was saying, man, I've been just, I can't hardly wait till this time came when we could share this last meal together because I'm fixing to do all this and you're going to get the benefit of it. He wasn't telling them every bit of that, but that's what he was really saying. Man, I have longed for this. And he said, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be painful for a little while. And you're going to be, you're going to be hurt and you're going to be disappointed and you're going to, you're going to be wondering what's going on. But I'm going to come to you. I'm not going to leave you like orphans. I'm going to send my spirit. The comfort is going to come. I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm not going to leave you like an orphan. It's going to be okay. Don't give up because I'm going to come for you. And that's what he wants us to know about. In Jesus, he said, I'm going to go. I'm going to give myself. And he said, Father, I'm I'm willing, but if there's any other way, man, I don't want to go through this. I don't want to suffer physically. I don't want to go through the humiliation. I certainly don't want to have to take sin upon myself because I am perfect and holy in every way. And I've never been separated from you, Father. But I'm willing to do it. Hebrews says that he did it for the joy that was set before him. I mean, he was looking forward to it. Even though it was painful, it was awful. But he did it with joy because of his great love for us. We can experience trauma and disappointment, and we can still have hope. We can still have joy. We can still have peace. It's available to us. Now, you may not choose to take advantage of that. You may choose to get all bound up in your, in your struggles. But... It's available. That's what Jesus did on the cross. He made that way for us to be able to lay all that down. Peter says, cast all your cares on him for he cares for you. He's calling us to come and lay everything at his feet and say, here it is. I just, I give up. Sometimes when you get to that point of desperation where you just think you're about to just break. And you say, all right, I, I give. Lord, I can't do this anymore. I just give. Here it is. And all that weight and all that stuff, it just kind of falls off of you. And it's like, wow. Wow. You know, boom, I could have had a V8. Man, I could have done that a long time ago. I've been fighting this for months, fretting over this. And all I needed to do was knock something on the floor and give it up. <clears throat> I use my hands a lot. Boy, when you, when you booger up a hand, you notice it. When your fingers are sore, you notice it because you use those things a lot. So the Lord wants us to know that when struggles of life come along, you don't have to let that dominate your thinking. You don't have to let that control the way you respond to the Lord. You don't have to lose your joy and lose your peace and be hopeless. You may go through moments of that, but you need to keep focusing back on the Lord. <clears throat> it's easier to say it than it is to do it but it is possible the Lord wouldn't have told us to do it if it was not possible and he's given us his spirit he's given us his presence and he's made that way for us our hope needs to be anchored in him <clears throat> so Paul uh, he says to the Colossians 
in verse 24, I now rejoice in my sufferings for you. So this is Paul's exhortation and suffering, part two. We started it last week. So he's telling them, I rejoice in my sufferings. And you might think, wow, that Paul, he was some weird dude. He's getting excited about his sufferings. But he's, he, he, he learned the truth that worship and rejoicing in the Lord is what we need to be doing regardless of our circumstances. And this is not just some catchy phrase he threw out here. He lived it. Remember, he was in the jail with he and Paul and Silas in the jail. And at midnight, you know, in a rotten, nasty jail, you know, they weren't, they weren't like the country club jails like uh, some of we, we have now. There's one over in um, South Dallas, uh, Sunnyvale, I think, or somewhere over there. No, Siegelville. Anyway, it's white-collar crimes, you know. I mean, it's a jail, but it's, it's pretty nice. And there are some jails that are, that are horrible and nasty, but back in these days, when you were in a jail... You know, it was in there with the rats and, and the, you know, the nasty stuff. And they weren't being gentle and kind. And they were chained up. And they really kind of enjoyed abusing you, I think. And so Paul and Silas in the jail at midnight, they began to sing praise to the Lord, began to worship the Lord. And they weren't doing it so they could get set free. It's just what was in their heart. That's what was coming out naturally. As they began to worship... Then God, he was so pleased with what they did, he just said, okay, I like that. I'll just set you free. So he just opened up the prison and set them free. And what happens with us when we learn to worship and rejoice, even when we're going through difficult times, the jailhouse comes open. I mean, you, your circumstances might not change, but you feel differently. Because when we begin to worship and rejoice in the Lord, it changes our heart, changes our mind, changes the way we think about everything. We're recognizing and focusing on who God is and his greatness instead of our smallness and our problems. We put him on the throne, and when we do that, we recognize that he is so great that our problems are really kind of insignificant in comparison. It's like when you look up at a, at a big you know, airliner going over, and you know, it looks kind of small. Matter of fact, you can... You can put your thumb up there and you can just block it out. But when you see that thing on the ground beside you, you know, it's, it's bigger than this building. It's huge. It's all about perspective. Our problems look big and huge, but God is way bigger than all of our circumstances and problems. We just have the right perspective. We need the right perspective so we can see that. So Paul says, I rejoice. That's to feel happiness or joy, to be exceedingly joyful. And it is a feeling, you know, there is a feeling that goes with rejoicing, but there's also a decision. I mean, when you, when you choose to say, I am going to rejoice, I'm going to exalt the Lord, I'm going to celebrate Him and His goodness, you might not feel all that joyful, but if you begin to do that, you'll probably get some joy and you'll probably get some feelings. But we're required to rejoice in the Lord always, even if things are not going all that great. Even if we don't feel like it. I kind of expect Paul and Silas didn't really feel like singing. They couldn't even raise their hands good, probably because they were probably shackled. But they got, they got after it. 
And uh, I think that's a good lesson for us. When we learn to rejoice, and especially rejoice in our sufferings. It's easy to rejoice in your, in your victories, rejoice in the answers to prayer, rejoice in the good things going on. Not so much when you're going through difficulties. And it doesn't say that we ought to be thankful for our difficulties. We're supposed to be thankful in all things. So we just need to learn to be mindful that God is worthy of our praise all the time. Whether, whether things are going well or not so well, he's still worthy of our praise. So our suffering. So that is an affliction. <clears throat> it is a state of great suffering and distress due to adversity, misfortune, or pain. Sign me up, baby. I'm ready. I want to have a state of great suffering, distress due to misfortune, distress, and pain. Not really. But. I know there will be times in my life that I have some distress, misfortune, and pain. And I've determined that I'm not going to lose heart. I'm not going to lose hope. I'm not going to begin to focus on my problems. I choose to focus on my hope that is in the living God. And if I can do that, I can rise above all of those things that are trying to bring me down and discourage me. And Paul goes on to say, uh, these are sufferings for you. So Paul is suffering for them. In other words, he's preaching the gospel and he said, you guys got the benefit and I'm getting the, I'm getting the wrong end. There was a song, you got the gold mine and I got the shaft. Well, you know, <laughs> you got the gold mine and I get the shaft. He, he preached and they got saved and things are going great for them and then he goes on off and now he's getting persecuted. He's getting in prison. He's in, in the jail in Rome waiting execution. But he says, I rejoice in my sufferings for you and fill up in my flesh what is lacking. Now, fill up, that means to satisfy in turn or to fill in turn, to satisfy in place of another's lack. It's conceived of as a filling up where another has left empty, to put in so as to balance. So another Paul is saying, you guys had a lack, but I'm filling it up. And that's what Jesus did, right? He looked at us and he said, you got a lack, but I'm filling it up. And I'm rejoicing in my suffering. I'm looking forward to suffering for you, for the joy that I see before me by providing what you need. Because you have a lack. You have a, you have a short in your life, a, a misfortune, a distress, a problem in your life. And I'm just going to fill up and rejoice over taking what I have and giving it to you. What you lack, I'm going to fill it up. It's a good swap, good trade. We got nothing, he gives us everything. And then we got everything because of what he gave us, we give it away to others. Freely we receive, freely give. That's the way it's supposed to work. We should be filling up in our sufferings, filling up and preaching the gospel, filling up. Hey, go down to the gas station and fill her up, baby. Come on in here every week, fill it up. Go out and give it away. We need to be giving like we're receiving Amen. all the time. We're meant to be like a conduit. It's supposed to flow through us. And the more you learn to do that, the better you get at it. I believe the more the Lord enlarges you and you become a bigger conduit. You know, you might be a little, a little three-eighths piece of tubing right now, but you know, if you begin to get better at it, maybe you get to be a piece of, 
half-inch PVC pipe, and eventually you'd be a 24-inch RCP or something. And you know, I mean, you can you can become a bigger conduit for the flow. And the truth is, there is no limit to the flow. We just have to be willing to let it increase in our lives. If we start holding on to it, we come in here every week and we get all excited. We worship the Lord and we just like a bunch of sponges just sucking it up and just sit there. And it just drips right under our chair. Yeah. We need to walk out of here and let it drip somewhere else. But go out there and infect the rest of the world. Amen. We've got something in us that's infectious. Something that, but it's not bad. It's good. It brings life. You get infected with this, it'll make you alive. We need to go and give it away. Freely we receive. We need to freely give. What is lacking? Well, a lack is a state of needing something that is absent or unavailable. It's a shortcoming. It's a deficiency. And we all acknowledge that we've got some lacking areas in our lives. That's what we want to fill up on. We want to let the Lord fill us up in our lack. And he wants to reveal that to us. See, that's why, that is why we, we need to be reading the Word, meditating on the Word, and allowing God to speak to us. I pray that every morning. Lord, shine your light on me. Show me. Show me the areas where I'm, I'm operating in something other than your plan or purpose for my life. If I've got an area in my life that's dark, I, don't, I want the Lord to shine his light on it, expose it so I can deal with it. If I've got areas where I'm lacking, I want the Lord to show me. So I can be filled up. I want him to take what's lacking in me, my deficiency, and fill it up with his goodness. But it's, I mean, we have a part in this. He's not in the zapping business. You know, we come to him and we say, Lord, here I am. I'm coming to you. I'm asking you to show me. I'm asking you to reveal that to me. I'm asking you to fill me up. He doesn't just do that to us. Otherwise, there wouldn't be any sinners in the world, right? He, would, he wants all to be saved. It's our responsibility to present ourselves to him and say, Lord, show me my deficiency so you can fill me up. Show me what I'm lacking so I can be filled up. Change me, Lord. And then he, he goes on and he says, to fill up in my flesh what is lacking in the afflictions of Christ. Now, the afflictions of Christ... So that's a, that's a distress. It's an oppressive state of physical, mental, social, or economic adversity. The word is slipsis, slipsis, and it means oppressing. It's like a, like a pressing down. So if you, you had a bunch of loose papers, you push them down, that's, that's pressing, compresses them. So we all have pressure in our life. Jesus had pressure in his life. He had afflictions. He had pressure. Believe me, you think you got pressure, you don't have any idea compared to what Jesus went through. And so Paul is saying, I'm, I'm, I'm filling up in this, man. I'm, I'm all in. I am rejoicing in my sufferings, and I'm filling you up, and we're just sharing back and forth, and we're going to get right into the afflictions of Christ. We're not going to pull back. We're not going to worry about it. We're going to enter in, and if we get some distress, if we get some pressure, it's all good because Jesus endured all that for us, and we're willing to take some of that on ourselves so that we can give it away. Because when you experience that pressure, something wonderful happens in you that you will never experience if you don't go through that pressure. Well, let me, let me back up. 
If you go through the pressure and you just grumble and complain and grouse and you know talk ugly and bad and kick the dog and do all that, then you're not really going to get much out of it. But if you can learn when you're going through that pressure to rejoice and begin to keep your eyes on the Lord and say, Lord, I, I recognize that you're worthy. You're God and you're still on the throne and I'm just all in. Just like you suffered, Jesus, I'm willing to suffer too. I'm willing to do it. Let the pressure come on. I'm going to respond to you. We sing that song, you know, just come on, let the floodgates open up. It's okay. My God is bigger. He's stronger. He's better. When you make up your mind that you're going to stay the course and nothing can shake you or move you away, that you're going to continue steadfast in the faith and you're not giving up, when you make that decision and you're on all the way, then God can do something wonderful in your life. And our, our part is to just keep believing and keep saying yes. He does all the hard part. He's already provided the hard part. He took care of all that on the cross. The afflictions of Christ... For the sake of his body, which is the church. So he did all this. Paul's doing this. And Jesus did all this. For our sakes. For the body. The church. The ecclesia. That's the, that's the called out ones. It's the, it's the group of believers. It's those of us who have aligned ourselves with God and said, we're in. We're not going to walk in the world anymore. We're in the world but we're going to walk in the Spirit now. We're not going to live in the flesh. We're going to walk in the, in the Spirit. We still have to be around all the worldliness. We still have to be in this world, but we're not going to be of this world because we are of the eternal world. We're in God's kingdom. We've been translated, moved from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. And that's where we're walking now. Paul goes on in verse 25 and he says, I became a minister according to the stewardship from God which was given to me for you to fulfill the word of God. The stewardship is an administration. <clears throat> it's a method of tending to or managing the affairs of some group of people. It's a management of a household. It's a dispensation. The granting of a license or the license itself. So if someone says, I want you to be steward over my household. They're basically saying, I want you to manage my affairs. I want you to watch over my finances. I want you to watch over, uh, you know, the everyday activities of the house. I want you to oversee the preparation of the meals and, uh, you know, the, doing the laundry and cleaning and paying bills. And, you know, if we have to hire people, if something breaks, I want you to call and get the... Get the repairman to come. I want you to oversee my life. So God has given us, his people, stewardship over his business here in the earth. He gave it to Adam originally. Adam didn't do so well, was it? He, you know, he kind of dropped the ball. But that's, that is being restored in us. As we, as we walk in the Spirit, as we walk in the Lord... He is restoring those uh, dominions that were lost in Adam when he sinned. And I'm, I'm not saying that you're going to be able to live a sinless life and it's all going to be perfect. I'm just saying that he is restoring us and he's bringing us back more and more and more in line with his created purpose for man. And as we learn to walk in the Spirit, as we apply his 
word, the truth of his word, there is power there for us to be changed. And we can become stewards of God's kingdom. That's what he's called us to do. And he went on and he said, if you're a good steward, if you're faithful in the little things, I'm going to give you even more stewardship. But he did say it's required of stewards that they be found faithful. You can't, you can't be a good steward if you're not faithful. So you can't just, you know, one day do right and then, you know, six months just do whatever you want and then come back and say, well, I'm back. I'm ready to manage things for you. It doesn't work that way. If you had someone that was managing your affairs, you'd fire them pretty quick if they tried to do that because your bank account wouldn't be reconciled. You wouldn't know if you had any money. Your bills wouldn't be paid. Your electricity would be turned off, blah, blah, blah. You'd have all kinds of problems. If no one is managing your affairs, you're going to have problems. Oh, that's why we got problems right now in the United States of America because we haven't been managing the affairs of God. We are stewards of, of what he's given us and we have just sat back and we've allowed ungodly people to do things and, and we've just allowed it. Now, I'm not, I'm not at all promoting anything other than just we need to be the people that we're supposed to be. We need to always be the light and the salt like God called us to be. And if we will do that, all of our culture will be affected. When, if, you don't like, if you don't like some of the things that are happening in your culture, then shine your light. Be your light. The, the light that you're supposed to be. If enough of us do that, it will affect the culture. In all of history, when big revivals take place, great awakenings take place, they don't, have, they don't have problems with crime anymore. They don't have problems with, uh, with you know, addictive behaviors. They don't need jails anymore. They don't need police departments anymore because there's no criminals, because the whole culture has changed. That's how we got barbershop quartets and all that kind of stuff. It's because there were times that they just didn't even need you know, uh, police and jailers and stuff, so they started, well, let's make a group and start singing, you know? Got to do something. We're on the payroll. We can change culture. If we will be the people of God like we're called to be, it will change our culture. But if we don't do that, then the culture is going to continue just to go downhill. So in the early church, within just a few short years, the gospel spread so fast and so far and wide that uh, when... When Paul and some of them came into a town, they said, oh, no, you're those guys that are turning the whole world upside down. You come here too. I mean, that was the way they were thinking about it. They changed their whole culture. And we can do the same thing if we will move in the anointing and power of the Spirit. It's possible. And I believe that's part of what God wants to do right now. He wants us to wake up as his body and begin to do the things that he's called us to do so that we won't um, we won't just keep allowing evil to win out in our nation. Don't be overcome with evil, but overcome evil with good. So this stewardship was given or granted from God. So it was, uh, it was given. That means it's to be or become in one's possession, whether it's physically or abstractly. So in other words, you got it. You got it going on. It's been given to you. But this stewardship, it has been given to us by God. It's not something that we're 
We're taking, that's what the world does. You know, they just take things and take charge of it. If you give someone an inch, they become a ruler eventually. They just keep growing and growing. They keep taking more and more. And that's what, what we've allowed. We have given opportunity and the world will just take it. They're not being kind and gentle. They'll just take it. Everything that they want, they just take. And we don't operate that way, but we need to be responsible and we need to be holding on to our principles and we need to be living a life that is a light and a salt to the world. So it was given to us to fulfill the word of God. That is to satisfy. Think of it this way. It's a, as if you're filling a container completely to proclaim or to tell fully, to fulfill the word of God. So it's not only just that we, we are doing the fullness of what God says, but we have an understanding of it and we're telling it and we're doing it it's all filling up. It is being completely filled to the overflowing. And when we begin to live that way, God can do the things that he wants to do. He's looking for a vessel. You know, he just looks, he, he's looking for a, a person that's willing to say, here I am, just take me. I'm willing. And when we become willing and give ourselves to him, he can do great things in us. He's not nearly as concerned about your Ability is, is your availability. He just wants us. We don't have to be perfect. We don't have to be smart. We don't have to be educated. We don't have to be talented. We don't have to be anything other than available. Then God will use all the things that you have in you. Every, every skill or talent or gift, every tool you have in your toolbox, God will use that if you make it available to him. And that's all he wants. He just wants us. He can take that and multiply it and make it into something great. You know, the, the disciples, they were just a bunch of knuckleheads. And, but they, when, they would, when they would preach and they would talk before the Sanhedrin, we were the, they were the intellectuals, they said, how did these guys get to be so smart? They're just a bunch of dumb fishermen. You know, they, they didn't even go to school. It's because they're learning of the Lord. The Lord can take that little bit that you have and multiply it and make it into something wonderful and great. There's no limitations with him. That's the, that is the hope that we have in him, is that you don't have to be forever the way that you are right now. Because he can change us. He can take, just like we talked about his body and his blood, he takes it, he blesses it, and he distributes it. He multiplies it. And that's what he wants to do with us. He wants to take us, bless us, multiply us, Take what talents we have, multiply them. Take what gifts we have, multiply them. Take our, our knowledge and our understanding and just increase it, multiply it. Everything that we have, when we give it to him, he can multiply that and make it so much more. And the truth is, it's his anointing that does all the work anyway. So when you say a word, you may stumble over your tongue, but God, if his anointing is on you, God can take that word that you stumbled over and he can make it powerful and change people's hearts and lives. God shared his testimony about how he got saved and he said, 
he said, when it, it came for me to pray and ask Jesus to, to live in my heart, he said, the best I could come up with was Jesus. Jesus. But it was enough because God can take what you have and he can multiply it and make it into what he needs it to be. It just has to be from your heart. And you're willing, God can take it and multiply it. We don't have to have all the words. We just need a word. If you can just say Jesus, I think you'd be pretty amazed at what God could do. The Word of God, that is the Logos. It is a message. It's a communication. Most often it's spoken, although it can come in other means. But it's an expression. It's like the overall expression of who God is. In a, in a verbalized form. And that's what Jesus was, right? He was the living Word who came down. He became flesh among us. He is the living Word. So when, when God speaks, which the Bible is His Word, and we receive of that, that is Him literally communicating right into our very being, into our spirits, into our souls, he is renewing our minds through his word. He is breathing life into us. And when we really begin to grab a hold of those, those communications he's given us, and a truth gets revealed to us, and we say, yeah, that's what I need right here for this problem I'm going through. This is it. Then it becomes, it becomes a rhema or, or revealed word that is even, it is even greater because it's for that specific moment or thing that you're going through. But if you don't have the logos, if you don't have the communication from God in the first place, it's going to be really hard to get the rhema. We have, to, we have to know the Word. We have to know what God is saying to us. Be tuned in to Him and what He says. And when we do that, then He can speak to us and He can change us and He can work miraculously in us. So Paul goes on and he said, To fulfill the Word of God, the mystery which has been hidden from the ages and from generations, but now has been revealed to His saints. And that word mystery, that's a big one there. It's a divine secret, a revealed secret. A divine secret that is now openly revealed. It's God's secret that's transcendent. It's ultimate reality. Think about those, some big words, transcendent. Yeah, that's, uh, that's a big one. But it, it goes beyond your little brain, it goes beyond your little circumstances, it goes beyond the past, it goes beyond the present, it goes beyond the future, it transcends all of that because it is alive and it's God's Word. It goes and it's beyond all of that. It's powerful. So the mystery, the mystery. I want to share some scriptures with you. And uh, this is Matthew 13. Jesus answered, and he just got through telling the parable of the sower and the seed. And the disciples asked him, said, why, why are you talking about all these, you know, these parables and these stories that uh, people don't understand? And he said, it's been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. But to them, talking about those who were not followers of him, it has not been given. For whoever has to him, more will be given, and he will have abundance. But whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. 
Therefore I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see, hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. And in them the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled, which says, Hearing you will hear and shall not understand, and seeing you will see and not perceive. For the hearts of this people have grown dull, their ears are hard of hearing, their eyes have been closed. Lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears, lest they should understand with their hearts in turn, so that I should heal them. But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. For assuredly I say to you that many prophets and righteous men desired to see what you see, and they did not see it, and to hear what you hear, and they did not hear it. Therefore, hear the parable of the sower. So Jesus said, you know, those on the outside looking in, they don't understand all the mysteries. But to you, it's been given to understand and know all the mysteries. They've been open to you. They've been revealed to you. And, he's, and he gives them the scripture to prove this. And then he goes on and he says, So therefore, hear the parable of the sower. I'm going to explain it to you. I'm going to tell you exactly what it means. Because it's been given to you to know the meaning of mysteries. They're not going to be hidden from you. And he went on and he told them the parable of the sower. And he explained to them, you know, the, the, the seed is the word. And, and this ground, you know, the stony ground, it's, it's the guys that, that hear it. And they don't have any soil there. And the roots don't have any place to grow. And it withers and dies. And, and the weeds come up in this ground and choke it out. Those are the people that get, that get distracted with the cares of this life. And the seeds on the stony path, those are the ones that, you know, the, there's no... No chance for it to do anything because the evil one comes and just snatches it away. The good ground, it grows and it brings forth 30, 60, 100 fold. It's multiplied. The good ground, it's multiplied. So we ought to be good ground because God can multiply what he invests in us. The word of God can multiply in us if we're good ground. If we receive it and we let it grow roots into us. And we don't let the enemy come and fill us with lies and discourage us. We don't let the enemy come and snatch away the truth that we have. And we don't allow the things of this life to distract us, cares of this life. It's been hidden. It's been hidden from the ages, but now it's being revealed in us. This, these mysteries, Paul talked about it. He said uh, in Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 4, let a man so consider us as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required in stewards that one be found faithful. He's really saying the very same thing that he said in Colossians. He's, he's saying very similar words, that he is a steward of the mysteries of God. In Psalms 25, it says, the secret of the Lord is with those who fear him. He will show them his covenant. Psalms 91, he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide in the shadow of the Almighty. And I will say to the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God, in him I will trust. Isaiah 45, I will give you the treasures of darkness and hidden riches of secret places that you may know that I, the Lord, who call you by name, am the God of Israel. Daniel chapter 2. Nebuchadnezzar had a dream. He couldn't figure it out. They called Daniel. Daniel prayed. It says, verse 19, Then the secret was revealed to Daniel in a night vision 
So Daniel blessed the God of heaven. Daniel answered and said, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, for his wisdom and might, or for wisdom and might are his. And he changes the times and the seasons. He removes kings and he raises up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. He reveals deep and secret things. He knows what is in the darkness and light dwells with him. I thank you and praise you, O God of my fathers. You have given me wisdom and might and have now made known to me what we asked of you. For you have made known to us the king's demand. Deuteronomy chapter 30. For this commandment which I command you today is not too mysterious for you, nor is it far off. It is not in heaven that you should say, Who will ascend into heaven for us and bring it to us, that we may hear it and do it? Nor is it beyond the sea that you should say, Who will go over the sea for us and bring it to us, that we may hear it and do it? But the word is very near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart that you may do it. The word of God is revealed to those who are willing to receive it. It's not way far away that you can't get it. It's right there. It's available for you. It's near you. It's right there in your heart and in your mouth. You just got to grab a hold of it and say, I'm willing to receive what you're saying. Proverbs 25.2 It is the glory of God to conceal a matter, but the glory of kings is to search out a matter. And who are we? We're kings and priests to our God. And so it is our glory to search out matters. It's our glory to seek him and seek truth and allow him to reveal the hidden mysteries. That's what he wants to do. He's hidden them, but he doesn't want to keep them hidden from us. He said, I've given you the keys. I've given you to know the mysteries, but you have to look. Bible teacher told me, if life's a mystery, we ought to all be detectives. I mean, we need to be seeking and trying to learn all the time. Worship team, y'all can come back. We're going we're gonna to quit right there for the day. But I just want you to know that God wants to reveal things to you. God wants to speak to you. It is not, it is not okay for us to think we're just never going to know about all these things. I mean, there may be some things that we don't catch on to. But God wants to reveal so much of himself, so much of his word. He's always wanting to keep revealing things to us. He wants to speak to us. You've got to believe that. God wants to talk to you. When you read the word of God, you ought to be thinking, man, Lord, what are you going to say to me today? What are you saying to me today? If you've got a problem, ask the Lord to speak to you. Ask the Lord to show you. When you read the word, God will speak to you. When you come to church, You'll hear, you'll hear someone teach or preach or someone will just walk up to you and just say, you know, I want to tell you something. And they'll share a scripture with it's exactly what you need to hear. God is not limited. He can speak to us. He wants to speak to us. He wants to reveal the mysteries of the kingdom to all of us. It's not just for the preachers. It's not just for the evangelists or the prophets. All of his children, we all have access to him. He has chosen us to say I'm giving you to know the mysteries of the kingdom amen let's stand and worship you are the word
the beginning, one with God, the Lord Most High. The hidden glory in creation. Praise of your glory, for you are ready. 
Amen. So that one line of that song, you silence the boast of sin in the grave. The enemy is a liar, and he'll, he will want to be hollering and yelling in your ear all the time. But Jesus, yes. the name of Jesus has silenced him once and for all, and we don't need to listen to his lies anymore. That's right, that's right. We need to get our eyes on what Jesus is saying, Hallelujah. what the Word of God says. Yes. Don't listen to the lies of the enemy. Amen. If you don't know the Lord, today can be the day. It's as simple as just crying out and saying, Jesus, I need you. I need you. If you have a special uh, prayer request or you need a physical healing or something, you want, you want someone to lay hands on you, we'll do that. Just come forward and we'll pray with you. If you're watching remotely and you have a need, I just speak right now healing and health and wholeness yes, over you. Jesus. You would receive what you need in Jesus' name. Yes, Pour out your spirit, Lord. Thank you. Let the sick be healed. Yes. Let the discouraged yes, be encouraged, Lord. Let the hopeless yes, see yes, that yes. you are the hope of glory, Christ, Hallelujah. in us. Thank you, Lord. Lord God, I thank you that you thank are raising you. us up thank you, to be Jesus. an army of people who yes. will call on the name of Jesus and Hallelujah. walk in the spirit of God yes. and proclaim the truth of your word. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, I thank you that you hear our prayers. Yes. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.
Amen. So may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. And may the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and grant you his peace. Now we encourage you to go in peace. Be blessed. Have a great week.